But it's like with this business, and even when I would tell certain friends, they're like, that makes sense. Because they knew me, and they knew that, okay, yeah, he's, yeah. When I got, when I landed here, I'm like, okay, this feels like where I need to be. Welcome to Drop the Disc. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Drop the Disc podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we ask you, you know, leave a rating or review. Maybe tell a friend. Um, today's episode, we talked to Keith Jones. Keith has been running a company called Made to Measure in Augusta for years now, almost 10 years, and he just opened his first retail location. He talks about how he got into the world of fashion and how things haven't always been this way. See, people see me now in suits and they're like, ah, oh, you know, pretty boy. But I've had some, I mean, you see the calluses. You know, I've had some, some tough jobs, physical jobs. We talked to Keith about how he ended up in the fashion industry and learn a little bit about the inside of how things work. It's typically your off the rack suit, it's made in a boxy shape because apparently they figure, well, this would fit the most body types try to taper it too much that might limit it to how many people fit in it but what you end up with is a suit that doesn't look good on anybody unless you're shaped like a box <laughs> so, i don't know anybody shaped like a box and we ask him about some entrepreneurial lessons he's learned along the way but i think the biggest lesson is the road to entrepreneurship is not a straight line um i would say probably one of my worst experiences was Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We know that you will enjoy it. Keith is a relaxed guy and he's had a lot of experiences, met a lot of people and done a lot of really cool jobs here in Augusta. And his story is really one of perseverance and finding passion, which is just really cool and everybody can relate to that. And now I have the pleasure of telling you that this episode, like every episode, is presented by our friend Nancy Powell of Powell & Associates. Nancy and Palin Associates have won CSRA's best mortgage brokerage two years in a row, uh, the two years since she's been associated with the company, so that's a pretty big deal. We talk about people being involved in networking a lot in this episode. Nancy lives that every day. She's involved in the Chamber of Commerce as an ambassador for businesses. She's involved at AU on the board for alumni involvement. She's all over town and cares a lot about the city. If you want to sell real estate, Nancy is a great way to get started. Reach out to her. Find her on her website at powellpropertypros.com. It's just another day on the road to be great. Got a list full of goals and so much on my plate. Another episode of my life to the date. Yeah, and I'ma do it all with a smile on my face. In the land of the free, yeah, the home of the brave. The only way you grow is if you learn from mistakes. And never stop the hustle, gotta keep up the pace. I ain't got time to waste. I got moves I'ma make. Yeah, it doesn't matter what the topic is. We gon' talk about it on Drop the Disc. We can dive in on city politics. Or I can brag about my accomplishments If you hating on the city, it is not a fin Problem is that you're probably lacking common sense Augusta got so much talent that'll make it big And you gon' see in here first, don't drop the disc Ay. Learn a lot about the 706 About to chop it up with David and Chris A lot of interviews you would hate to miss AUG in the mix, just drop the disc uh. Learn a lot about the 706 to chop it up with David and Chris A lot of interviews you would hate to miss AG in the mix, just drop the disc And while you're on your phone, go ahead and pull up however you listen to music, whether it's Apple, Spotify, even Google or Amazon, and find C-Lark, C.Lark, wherever you listen to music. He's awesome, and he made this original beat just for our show. Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey guys, I'm David. We're Drop the Disc Podcast. Uh, David, why don't you start off introducing this guest. So today's guest is a person that is known extremely heavily in any circle of anybody that networks in the city of Augusta. Um, and I think if you're getting married, if you're planning for a big occasion, or even if you just have a social media, you probably heard of him. But today in the studio, we have Keith Jones of Keith Jones Made to Measure. And Keith, tell us just real quick, and we'll get back into it later, but tell us just real quick, what is made to measure? How long has it been in business? Uh, this is year seven of business. And of 
of course, we make custom suits, custom tailored clothing for both men and women, as well as accessories. Uh, as you mentioned, weddings. We do a lot of weddings. Uh, also, business people, um, even uh, dressy casual wear. Uh, shoes is something that we introduced last year, custom shoes. So that's been a nice offering, um, as well as neckties and other accessories. Now, I got to I gotta ask, what is it? I mean, is this is this the you know is this something that you got into because you were sewing all your life and you wanted to turn it into a business? I mean, just real quick. I know we'll get back into it, but I just got to ask. Absolutely not. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that because I met somebody earlier today who was asking if I could uh, help them sew a lining into a jacket that she found vintage mm -hmm. shopping. Uh, actually, I don't sew a stitch, so. Um, you wouldn't want anything that I would sew, <laughs> believe me. <laughs> okay. um, You're the brains. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm the brains, I guess, the designer, the stylist, the, stylist, okay. you know, the, the brand owner. So I contract out the, uh, the tailoring services. So what you do is you make sure that when people do design something, that it looks really sharp. Right, yeah. Gotcha. Exactly. All right. Well, now we'll rewind <laughs> the clock all the way back, and we'll ask you the question that we like to ask to start the show, which is, are you from Augusta? I am not. Uh, originally from Greenwood, South Carolina. Okay, not too far. Born and raised, yeah. So. Not too far. Still Southern, not too far. Still yeah. Southern. Um, now, I, did you go to college for business? No, actually, uh, I'm another classic entrepreneur story who did not go to college. Okay. So That's I do have nice. some college. Um, I went, actually, in Greenwood, I went briefly for computer networking. And then when I moved to Augusta, I went for graphic design. Okay. Um, because I'm an artist, yeah. you know, just by hobby, um, just a natural artist. Okay. Not classically trained or anything, but I have an artistic eye, which of course kind of led to what I'm doing now. Um, but yeah, I just never finished the college because it just didn't work out with my schedule. I was also trying to work at a family and just, yeah, it didn't work out. So can we talk about the life journey that you had? job wise to get to where you are now what was your first job I yeah, just like wow. you, you mentioned being a serial entrepreneur like yeah was it lemonade yes. stand when you were seven like hey, we all we've all been there <laughs> i took advantage of that during master's week <laughs> yeah i don't know how much time you guys have uh it's been quite a journey uh but i've always been what i call a hustler you know just and i would use my talents to try to make money right know, even as a kid like I think it was kindergarten or first grade, I had a detective agency and I <laughs> took on a case. Like I would love to read the Encyclopedia Brown books and yeah, Encyclopedia mysteries Brown. and mysteries were, you know, my favorite genre to read. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to make a detective agency. And so my first case was finding a toy that one of my classmates lost. <laughs> Never found the toy. So that <laughs> didn't work out too well. <laughs> But, uh, you know, being an artist, I would also draw pictures. Like kids would come to me, hey, can you draw this? And, and I'd charge them to <laughs> draw something. <laughs> so always looking for ways to, you know, I've always known that I wanted to be my own boss. So we can say that your first business was a detective agency. And yes. then you had an art collective right after that. Yep. What was the first business that you would say kind of helped you pay the bills that you did? My first job or business? Either one. My first job was, I was actually 14. Wow. Um, telling my age now, because you could actually work back then at 14. <laughs> but uh, I worked in a beauty supply store. Uh, my father was a barber um, on the side, because he was a hustler too. He was an electrician by trade, but then he also cut hair. Wow. Um, and when he retired, he opened his own barber shop. Um, so entrepreneurship is in my blood, because I've seen it, you know, had examples of that. Uh, but anyhow, one of his clients sold hair care products and had a, a beauty store, beauty and barber supply store. So that was my first job at 14. Wow. That's crazy. At 14 years old. Mm -hmm. So at that point you kind of knew you were a hustler. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you went to college and you kind of start learning this design stuff. You start learning some computer stuff. Did you try to do any businesses at that time as well? I really want to get this catalog of, <laughs> of the things you've done. Uh, well, I didn't f jump into the entrepreneurship arena immediately. Okay. Um, so you did the smart thing. Yeah. I had several jobs, you know, and, you know, summer jobs because I was, you know, a teenager. 
So I worked at Shoney's as a busboy one okay. summer. Um, discovered I do not want to work in food and beverage. <laughs> that was terrible. It's a different yeah. beast. It's a yeah. good lesson to learn early. It requires a, a special person to work in that. <laughs> yes. Like you yes. have to enjoy. And it's not so much the work because I'm a hard worker, but it's just the the pace. Like it's mm-hmm. very fast paced. Um, you met me a few times. You can probably tell I'm more of a laid back kind of. That's not really my speed. Yeah. Um, I don't mind working because I've had some some tough jobs. But uh, yeah, food and beverage. And let's see, what else did I do? Cut grass. Of course, I think everybody does that, right? Had a paper <laughs> route. Um, I used to work with one of my friends, his grandfather, clean nights at a movie theater. So that was interesting. Sometimes I'd find money on the floor. Um, what else? So my first, after graduating, we'll, we'll start there. Okay. Because I could go on and on when about get a job history. Yeah. Um, I was one of those kids who wanted to move out like as soon as possible. So I'm like, I'm getting a job and I'm gone. Not that home life was, you know, negative or anything, but I just wanted my independence. Um, which is also why it was difficult for me to keep a job. Yeah. <laughs> because with most jobs, you don't have independence. You know, you're, you're tied to a schedule, to set of expectations. Um, so, but my first job was, what was my first job? I worked at a plant that did um, coating, like electrostatic coating, um, kind of like powder coating. Yeah. You know, so they did auto parts and I started out on the line and I worked my way up to the lab technician. Um, and then from there I went to Fujifilm. This is all in Greenwood. Um, they have a, a plant there. I was working 12 hour swing shifts. Ooh. And from there I went to Kaiser Aluminum, which was another um, plant. It was almost across the street where they did uh, stamping. I'm trying to remember what it's called, but. They would, we would stamp auto parts basically. Like brand um, stamp yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like just reshape, like it came in and, and steel billets and you would put it in the press and it would press it into whatever part and okay. trim the excess. I'm hearing a lot of like working with your hands. Kind oh of yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I had some really physical tough jobs and you had to spray graphite into the press before you put the billet in there. So it wouldn't stick. So I'd come out just covered in black at the, See, people see me now in suits, and they're like, ah, oh, it's you know, pretty <laughs> boy. And, you know. But I've had some, I mean, you see the calluses. Yeah, I've had some some tough jobs, physical jobs. Um, but actually, I got married, um, and at the time, I was working at Kaiser in Greenwood. I was still, we moved to Augusta, and I was still working in Greenwood. So I'd drive back and forth. Ooh, was that two-hour commute? Longer. Uh, about an hour and a half, okay. hour 45. Okay. Yeah. Like from the plant to the house. Yeah. So Oof. after I hit my second deer, <laughs> then my wife's like, we got to find something else. Did you not see the deer crossing signs? Those- I, I think I was asleep. <laughs> I think hitting the deer is what woke me up. Okay. Oh. Which is scary. Yeah. Because that could have been a tree that's or a real, another that's car. A, that is a wake that's up a call. That's a wake up call. Yeah. Right. For yeah. sure. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, I got to, you know, because I'm driving an hour and a half one way, working 12 hours, and, you know, not an office job, but like a physical job. It's like a 16-hour day. Yeah, Yeah. then I'm tired, then I got to drive an hour and a half back through, like, McCormick, and if you've ever been down, I mean, there's no lights at night. No lights. So there's the moon and the stars. And there's speed limits. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently deer. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of deer. So, um yeah, so I was like, okay, we gotta, I gotta find something here in Augusta, because we we weren't really sure what we wanted to do at the time. We considered moving to Greenville, um, we considered moving to Greenwood. I'm glad we didn't do that, <laughs> but I was like, well, let's just see what what's here in Augusta. So my first job in Augusta was at Lincare. They delivered the um, compressed oxygen to COPD patients. Okay. Yeah. So I had to have my hazmat endorsement for that. I already had my CDL. Because when I was 21, I was working at Coca-Cola in Greenwood. Holy cow. Yeah, so we're bouncing all over. Holy place. cow. <laughs> so at Coca-Cola, that's where I got my Class A CDL. So I can drive anything. Um, and I just maintain that over the years because it's hard to get. Um, and then, like, 
it's something I can always keep in my back pocket if I want to drive. I can always do that. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned yeah. you got that when you were 21. Mm-hmm. What year did, what, how old were you when you got married? I was 26 or eight. Upper twenties. Yeah. yeah. Upper twenties. We can yeah. split the difference and just Mid-20s. say 27. 27? Yeah. 27? Yeah. Close enough. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully my wife is not listening. To yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but what year, what year was that? It was 05. Okay. Married. He so remembers that. that. I remember. Yeah. He That's remembers important. that. That's important. So if I just do the math, <laughs> yeah, I can, yeah. Stick around. We'll be right back with more with Keith Jones after this quick message from our friends at Savannah River Brewing Company. Did you know that Savannah River Brewery has been around for almost five years? That's right, five years in the AUG. That's incredible. Producing incredible beer that we love to try and love to have on our show every week. Now, keep your eyes out on social media with Savannah River Brewery posts for their fifth anniversary, which is gonna be on February 19th. Go ahead and mark your calendars, more details coming your way, and I hear, that it's going to be something like the Renaissance theme, which is incredible. So check them out, savannahriverbrew.com, Savannah River Brewery Company. So 2005, you're married. You guys kind of moved to Augusta. You're looking for a job here. You start working in chemicals, mm-hmm. um, but you still haven't done anything entrepreneurial since, you know, the art collective in elementary school. Right. You know, what are you thinking you got to be thinking it's time to do something you well if you're an entrepreneur you understand this is that no matter what job you have it could be a great job well-paying job at some point you're going to get that itch right you know you're going to feel claustrophobic like i need more control over whatever my time or earning potential whatnot so but i was in a situation where now i have a family because i married into a blended family Okay. My wife was married previously and she had three kids from her first marriage. So now I have a wife and three kids. So mm. I, you know, I can't just try stuff. Like I have to, we need to make money. Yeah. Like guaranteed money. So I had to put the entrepreneur thing on the back burner. I didn't forget about it, but it's like, okay, I just need to work because we got to pay for everything. Priorities. Um, yeah. So I just kind of bounced around with jobs. Actually, after Lincare, I got into kind of entrepreneurship, not really, but <laughs> sold insurance. Okay. Which was commission only. Um, I made $0. So I'm like, okay, that's not going to work. I was promised a lot more than was actually delivered. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you'll make this much a, a week. And my wife talked about it. She's like, okay, let's go for it. Because fortunately she kind of has that entrepreneur streak as well. Right. Um, so she understands. Which is important. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, Cause you get that support. But she did better than I did because okay. she actually got licensed and I think made a few sales, but neither of us. So you were stuck both it. doing insurance. Okay. Yeah. And we also started, I think after that is when we jumped into the entrepreneur thing because we started a painting business. Okay. So. Um, and you say we, is that you and, and my your wife? wife? Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah seriously. Major support yeah. system. Three kids to support and you guys started mm-hmm. a business together. Because actually her father. Um, he painted all his life. He's, uh, he was living in Thompson at the time. And, um, so she learned to paint from him. And actually before we were got married, when we were dating, she invited me to come on a job and, you know, that's where I got to know him and and her a little bit. We were painting a school in Thompson. What an interesting date. Yeah. Like here, come meet my dad. Yeah. Okay. Here, get let's to work. talk a little bit. Right. And we're going <laughs> to work. Here's a brush. And you may or may not be paid. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for volunteering. Thanks for coming mm-hmm. out today. Yep. yep. Free labor. Uh, no, actually he did pay me. So that was good. Very nice. Um, it wasn't my first, you know, experience painting because actually another job I had going back, um, we did floor coating, like concrete coating mm-hmm. yeah. where you use the epoxy. And all right. That. So there was a um, gentleman in Greenville at that time, I was still living in Greenwood and driving back and forth to Greenville. So that was an hour yeah. away. Um, before that, I was building staircases um, <laughs> at a place called Classic Stairworks in Easley, South Carolina. They did like the spiral staircases. Okay. So. so what you're telling people right now is not only will I make a suit for you, but I'll also fix your house. <laughs> Pretty much. Build, build your house. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Like, give me a shell and I'll give you a house. But I think the biggest lesson is the road to entrepreneurship is not a straight line. No. Like it's just all over the place. Yeah. 
but you know, sometimes that's what it takes to find your purpose. Yeah. Cause I do see sales and I see long hours and I see working hard and I see learning trades right. and all of that comes together with entrepreneurship. Exactly. All those are essential elements of it. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's one thing I tried to do is most jobs, well, every job that I had when I got there, I'm like, okay, this is not my final destination. Yeah. But while I'm here, I'm going to learn as much as I can, right. make as many contacts as I can, you know, soak up what I can that I can take to the next level. So you did have so, that mindset too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you it's guys just, start this painting business. How long did you do that for? We did painting. You know, it's funny. We did that for several years. Like for a while, it's all we did. But then it kind of turned into a side hustle to where we would take an occasional job here and there in addition to what we were doing. Okay. Um, Cause you know, you can make pretty decent money painting. Yeah. Nobody you, wants to paint. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and nobody wants to. So you put those two together and like, Hey, it's a great opportunity for somebody who likes to paint. Right. You know, who had the steady hand be- between y'all two? Me. Okay. So you, you did the <laughs> trim. I'm the artist. So I would do the trim. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Steady hand. And then she line. would take the roller. Yep. Yep. I'm the roller person. She's a great I am roller. the roller person. My <laughs> wife does, has the steady hand. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, do that. I don't want to put the blue tape mm-hmm. up. She's great with the roller. Like she knows how much paint to use and just just knocks it out. So I would start trimming in front and she would come behind and roll it and we would knock it out. Nice. But we actually used a sprayer uh, for a few years because we had a contract with a local apartment community. So we would do the move in, move outs. That's huge. So somebody move out, we go in, spray the whole place, we had to put up plastic. But then we were like, well, do we really want to do that? You know, so because we were painting and they were all, we were also throwing papers at night. Um, we have to get up at three in the morning, go get our papers, run our route. Wow. Um, then I think around that time I got into car sales. I think it was around that time. Work history just runs together. Sorry, it's just, it's just one big <laughs> So before resume. we move on to car sales, what was your biggest takeaway from the painting? Um, Just that I don't want to paint. <laughs> that was pretty, so it's like do something I want to do. Yeah, basically. yeah. But I mean, I, I think it the thing it did show me is it gave us confidence that, hey, we can start and run a business and be self-sustaining, support ourselves. Yeah. So it let me know what was possible. And so I took that piece of knowledge and just kind of put that, you know, in the back of my head and later would have an opportunity to apply that. Then you sold cars. Mm -hmm. Did that for several years. I started out at Stokes Hodges. You remember that on Gordon Highway? Yeah. Yeah. Auto Mall years ago. (laughs) Yeah. So that's where I started. Um, I think Mitsubishi was over there at the time and, of course, Acura Kia. But I started the Auto Mall selling and actually did well. And then moved over to Gerald Jones Honda. And I was there for several years. Um, did well. Got salesman of the month there. It's like I, I didn't know that I could do sales. And sales wasn't really anything that was appealing to me. Because I always thought it required an extroverted personality. Because, you know, typically what you see or like the stereotypical car salesman is, you know, hey, a lot and grabbing people and jumping in front of cars and right but that was not how i approached it but i actually think that i was successful because i didn't approach it that way how did you how did you approach it just more casually just having a conversation with people just like this yeah you know talking with people and i let them tell me what because if you listen to people they will tell you how to sell them mm-hmm. you know don't try to sell somebody something that they don't want because that's you know but if you just close your mouth and listen, they will tell you, okay, this is exactly what I'm looking for. And if you help them get that and the price makes sense, they'll buy it. I mean, why wouldn't they buy it? And I had clients who would buy, you know, multiple cars. Like they would buy a car and then come back a few years later and ask for me because they wanted to work with me specifically. So that kind of sharpened my sales ability. Yeah. Sounds like you started building relationships. Right. Right. Connecting in the community and, just sharpening my ability to sell because that's the same thing I'm doing now. I mean, the reality is that all of us are salesmen in one way or another, even if we're just selling ourselves or selling our skills, you have to convince people to take a chance on whatever your business is. Yeah. Um, at this point, did you have, did you have style? Like I've, I'm trying to I feel see, I've always had style. Right. I'm trying to right. see where the style comes in and how you were thinking 
I've got what it takes to tell people what to wear. Because you have the design. Yeah. Right? You have the right. design. As a salesman, you have to dress nice. Exactly. So is that is that where that comes from? Um, I kind of already had that before stepping into sales. Okay. Um, and people would remark on that too. Like, oh man, you know, you're sharp or whatever. Um, that's just something that I enjoy doing. You know, I've always enjoyed. I mean, I remember, I think it was fifth grade or sixth grade pictures. I wore a suit to school no way but, yeah i was like the only kid in the suit we need that we need yeah. that picture uh, i don't media. think you do no. <laughs> <laughs> um but i've always enjoyed looking sharp and i learned that from my parents you know because my dad um he always presented himself well and my mom you know like i was i wasn't one of those kids who was ashamed when his parents came to school you know my parents showed up they were always you know sharp Why? i'm like yeah that was my parents <laughs> So that taught me that um, people will treat you differently based on how you present yourself. Yeah. You know, they will either take you seriously or not take you seriously. Yeah. So I'm guessing the car dealership is kind of a situation where you work there for a long time. You learn, you learn the game of sales, you learn the networking, and then you transition that into a business. Is that right? <laughs> That was a big part of my sales experience because it taught me how to deal with the public and, you know, because it's commission-based too. Yeah. I mean, if you want to eat, you got to sell. Yeah. So, and you're also not picking and choosing your clients. Right. Unless like, they ask for you. Right. Yeah. You so have to learning. work with what's presented. Right. So it teaches you flexibility. Um, and, you know, I had the conversation skills already, uh, but it kind of pushed me out of my shell yeah sort of you know because i'm not like the most you know not the life of the party necessarily and i, I was a really very shy growing up <clears throat> but uh when you get into sales it kind of throws you in the fire because it's like all right sink or swim you know you need to open your mouth and talk to people otherwise you know there's the door right so it, it really pushed me to get more comfortable approaching people strangers and mm -hmm. just starting conversations and but I've always been a connector, like a genuine conversationalist. Like I'm not really a lot for small talk. Um, I like to talk about things that matter. And um, sales is is tough because you have to quickly overcome objections. Because if you think about sales, any type of sales, really, the other person is often coming to you and their walls are already up. They're like, oh, I know you just want to take my money and trust you it's like you have to overcome all of that make them relax gain their trust but like in a matter of seconds yeah so it, it is a skill and it's not something like you can't go to college for sales i mean you can learn certain principles that will help but as far as connecting with people that's i think you're either that way or you're not that way we'll be right back with more of keith jones on the drop the disc podcast but first I want to tell you about one of our partners that we're excited about and they have some cool new news so downtown in augusta we actually do have a distillery it's called second city and you may have heard us talk about dirty girl cocktail mixers products before on the show um, they're also a local company so dirty girl cocktail mixers has acquired second city distilling and now they're creating this whole new tasting room environment right here in downtown augusta They've got an entertainment venue. They've got a lot of cool stuff coming, and we'll be sharing some more messages as the time passes. But check out the new tasting room. It's downtown Augusta, right by the Riverwalk. It's a great location, and they have great products. To keep up with them, you can follow them online on their website at dirtygirlmixers.com, and that's with U's in Dirty and Girl. So are, are, we, at, are we at Made to Measure? Oh, no. Not there. <laughs> no. All right. So 08 is when I got out of the car business. Okay. Because Good timing. If you remember 08, yeah. it, was, uh, it yeah. was brutal. Bad time. We couldn't give cars away. And that taught me the importance of a network because, you know, I'm basically new to Augusta. I've been here three years. I didn't really know anybody. I'm not from here. Um, so the people who lasted in the car business had a network of people who they already knew. People knew them. Those are the people that they went to for their needs. Mm -hmm. You know, us new guys or from wherever, you know, whatever. I think we threw papers for a while. Yeah, papers and painting, I think. And then after that, um, I met 
uh, one of my good friends now, David Walker, and we started a magazine together called The Augustine. Um, that was in 2012. I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yep. I, I didn't realize we were going to get either. an Easter egg right here. I yeah. didn't know that either. <laughs> so actually, David and I met when I was in the car business. Um, I think he, no, a client who came to the dealership said, you know what? I know somebody you should meet. And he connected us. Wow. And, you know, we're both creatives. And it's like when we got together, it's like all these ideas just kind of happened and you knew the routes yeah yeah <laughs> exactly so so but a lot of the the articles would come from just our conversations about any number of topics whether it be business or um you know the challenges that minority business owners face mm -hmm. you know or relationships or just any number of things and we would put that in an article form um he's also a photographer so that part was covered too he would take the wow the pictures and then I had a section in the magazine called Style where I would just feature street style. Like I could walk down the street and I'd see somebody, hey, I like your style. You want to be in our magazine? And I would, you know, get their picture or set up a photo shoot actually with David. And we'd do a brief interview about their style. I mean, no professional models, just, you know, That's real regular cool. people. Yeah. This is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we ran that for, was it two years, two, three years? Uh, it was more of a labor of love and just a creative exercise. Yeah. We didn't make any money doing it. Um, we did get a few big sponsors. We got Budweiser to sponsor a few months. Um, a couple insurance agencies locally sponsored. So it was it was nice. Any car dealerships? No. <laughs> you would think. Right? No, no. I don't think we got. No, actually, we did get one car dealership. Okay. They did like a quarter page ad. Yeah. So, um, but. I think from there, that kind of relit my entrepreneurial fire mm -hmm. um, because it's very closely connected to a creative fire. So just being, and we hosted a few events too. Um, we called it Afternoon of Style where we would gather other entrepreneurs and it was kind of like a showcase of local entrepreneurs. Like you'd come and set up your booth. We'd have live music from local bands. It was like all local. It was all about Augusta. Um, was was anything like this happening or were y'all kind of the not really not wow. that we knew of okay so. this sounds really cool yeah mm -hmm. this, i would go to this yeah yeah it was it was a fun event we threw like two or three of them uh we used the blue horse downtown yep for one of them the blue horse is still there but there's yeah. the doors are closed <laughs> yeah not sure the story on that but that would make a, a wonderful like jazz club or something right. like that um Maybe somebody should invest in that, but that's another conversation. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that just kind of motivated me to just kind of look into that a little more. So meanwhile, I had joined Instagram, started an Instagram account, and I would just showcase my style on there. And I would get more followers and people would kind of tune in to see what I was wearing on Sunday or whatever. And that just kind of grew. And I started making lapel flowers, which you probably have seen that you yes. wear on the lapel. Mm -hmm. Because at the time, that was a hot thing. But I didn't see any that I really liked, so I just started making my own. And people really responded to it. And I created this brand called The Style Guy, um, where you know I had all these lapel flowers. I had a website and everything, and people would order the type that they wanted. Um, did a few weddings, actually, where I would make the boutonnieres of the lapel flowers in the color of the wedding. Uh, so... That's actually kind of how my journey started. And then from there, I was like, you know, let me branch out into something else because I can't eat off of lapel flowers. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I was selling, but, you know, I mean, how much can you charge for a lapel flower? Right. right. Um, and then it was kind of a trendy thing that has kind of like since waned. I don't really even well wear lapel flowers anymore. I know some people still do. But um, and then my cousin in Atlanta, she introduced me to this company uh, that kind of does what I do now. And she's like, yeah, you should check this company out. I saw it and I immediately thought about you. I think you'd be perfect for it. So I actually drove down to Atlanta, met with her and with another guy who was doing it. He was the representative of the company. And kind of like their business model was, okay, you buy this kit and we'll send you, you know, fabric swatches and a measuring tape and you host like fitting parties just invite people over to pick out 
the suits and all. Um, similar, you know, pretty similar to what I'm doing now. Yeah. So I got excited. I'm like, man, this, I think this is exactly what I want to do. Um, so I ordered a custom suit and two custom shirts and very disappointed when they got back. Mm. Like as soon as I looked at the suit, I'm like, this is not it. Um, what was it? It's just a cheap was suit. It look? Yeah. Okay. It was cheap, cheap suit. Um, the shirts were fine. Cause I mean, it's a cotton shirt I and mean, it's hard to mess up a cotton shirt, but a lot more goes into a suit. So you got to look at the build, the construction, the fabric quality, um, so many different elements. So if you look at, I, I just want to like, when you look at a suit and you say that's a cheap suit, like, what do you see? Cause I am, I, I would say very uneducated. Like I think mm -hmm. I could buy a blazer from Walmart and I'd be like, oh, that's yeah. decent. I could wear that. <laughs> Like it's blue. <laughs> um, I would say probably, well, besides fit, because that's huge too. Fit is big. Fit is huge. Um, Especially if it's custom, I guess. If it right. doesn't fit perfectly, you kind of yeah. notice. And I see bad suits all the time. So, Because typically your off-the-rack suit, it's made in a boxy shape mm -hmm. intentionally because apparently they figure, well, this would fit the most body types. If we try to taper it too much, that might limit it to how many people can fit in it. But what you end up with is a suit that doesn't look good on anybody, unless you're shaped like a box. <laughs> I don't know anybody shaped like a box. Uh, so it's just, you know, but when you think about it from their perspective, it's not possible to make every single size. Right. Because everybody's a different size. Right. You know, even if you have people the same height and weight, they might, their weight is distributed differently. They might need more room in the shoulders and chest and the person might need more room in the belly or the hips or so the only way to have something that truly fits is to have a design and made for your body. And you noticed that this suit was not was not what you expected. Yeah, I mean, it, the fit was OK, but the quality was like the fabric look. I mean, you know what cheap looking fabric. Right. Looks like. Yeah. Yeah. It just, you know, shiny and just I was like, no. like all my suits. <laughs> <laughs> well we're gonna fix that okay eventually okay. yeah uh, so i was like you know what this is what i want to do but not this way mm -hmm. so i just started doing research as far as you know how can i create my own brand you know um so uh we went to a trade show in new york and they have these often in major cities where makers from all over the world will come you know india china yeah. and wherever and they showcase what they can do. I mean, there's, you know, custom suits and shoes, accessories, all kind of stuff, dresses, overcoats. And you just connect with these people and um, that's how you build a brand, you know. Um, another one of my contacts, he sent me somebody um, that he had had experience with or had seen at least. And, uh, you know, this is a suit maker. You ought to try them out, see what they can do. So I reached out to him. And um, had a suit made. I was more pleased than I was with the other suit. And so I'm like, okay, this is the right direction. I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> so just continuing to refine that and trying different makers um, until I got what I wanted and was pleased. So you found somebody. Mm -hmm. You found somebody at this trade show that made custom suits and made high-quality suits. Right, right. And you said, okay, now I can sell this. Right. You came back here. What's the first thing you did? I mean, you start a bit, you know, you're starting a business, right? You had started businesses, but really not like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is kind of a new animal. Yeah. Um, and, and I want to preface this by saying I had tried a lot of things up to this point. Like in addition to the insurance, I had sold knives, I'd sold vacuum cleaners. <laughs> um, I mean, you name it. The laundry list. Yeah. So it's like when I'm coming to my wife with yet another business, you know, I'm kind of cringing, waiting for the reaction. Yeah. But it's like with this business, and even when I would tell certain friends, they're like, that makes sense. Because they knew me, and they knew that, okay, yeah, he's, yeah, I can totally see you doing that. And so that gave me more confidence. I mean, I was probably going to do it anyway, <laughs> truth be told. But just having that affirmation from yeah. the outside was like, okay, yeah, I think you're moving in the right direction. And this was, what, seven years ago? Um, probably a little more than seven years. That's maybe eight, nine years ago. So this is like 2012, 2013, yeah, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And, uh, another big difference was I felt 
good about this. Like this felt natural and just, it felt like home. And I think that's important um, for any business owner or entrepreneur is don't do something for the money because that's going to run out. I mean, you'll be frustrated and you have to have a passion for whatever it is you're doing. I mean, if you are selling vacuum cleaners or knives, you got to have a passion for doing that. Yeah. You know, nothing wrong with that. That just wasn't my passion. But when I got into this, I'm like, this is exactly what I want to do. It's like I stopped looking because it's been a long journey of just, you know, job to job to business to business. And when I got, when I landed here, I'm like, okay, this feels like where I need to be. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back to finish our interview with Keith Jones. And of course, to do the drop the disc question. Dr. Milhouse is a pioneer in cannabis research and development and has helped thousands across the U.S. get the specific formulas they need. If you've got questions regarding the research of how cannabis can possibly help with the coronavirus, get on over to AugustaHempCompany.com today. Dr. Milhouse and his staff are HIPAA certified and compliant and would love to help you find the perfect formula to suit your needs from CBD to THC. They've got you covered in the AUG. AugustaHempCompany.com. So, we're here now. We're here. We made it. We, we are here. And we it could have been a lot longer, but he didn't tell us all of his jobs, which is fine. Totally fine. But we know that you are ready to rock and roll with your business. Can you tell us about your business? What, yeah. what can people expect when they walk in the doors? And what kind of relationships are you building? Well, um, we just opened our first retail location this year. Well, last year, actually, November yeah. of 2021. Um, so having a retail spot is relatively new because up to this point I was making house calls. Like I would literally drive to somebody's house. I'd be meeting people in Starbucks or just neutral locations. I would just drag all my books and stuff with me, lay it out, mm -hmm. pick out what you want. I take your measurements and then three, four weeks later I deliver the suit. So I kept a pretty simple business model, but having a retail location is, it's more professional and it's easier for me because now I'm not having to drive all over the place. Clients can come to me and I can schedule clients. So it's a more efficient use of my time too. Um, but when clients come to me, basically um, I get a lot of my clients from social media still, like they'll see my stuff on Instagram or um, uh, Facebook or they'll, you know, I'll be recommended to them or maybe they go to a wedding and, the groom is wearing one of my pieces and like, Oh, where'd you get that? And then he tells them. Um, so it's a lot of different ways people find out about my business, but they approach me and like, okay, I'd like to get a custom suit. We set an appointment and you come into the shop and then we kind of look at fabrics and colors based on what you're looking for and also budget. Um, my entry level suit is just five ninety five, um, which for a custom suit is right. insane. Yeah. You can't find that anywhere. Um, and then my most expensive suit is 2095, which is a Zegna, it's an Italian suit. So I don't have a lot of those clients, but <laughs> you know, I have the range to right. accommodate pretty much anybody. Yeah. Um, and then I also have wedding packages to where you can get just the suit or tux. You can get the custom shoes. I can do everything or I can do just a suit kind of based on whatever your budget is. And do people keep those suits after they use yeah. it or is it? rental options no no because okay. it's custom true it, it, it yeah. is it is a purchase yeah yeah that's awesome yeah i gotta hear like so there's got to be some pretty i mean i've i've worked in the wedding industry not as long as you mm -hmm. and i i've seen crazy things and and that's just that one industry you're dealing with people that are going to business meetings and basically what i'm describing is people that have very high expectations right do you have any any kind of like I don't want to say horror stories because that's not what I mean, but any, you know, any out there kind of situations that have happened because of what you do? Um, I would say probably one of my worst experiences was one of my first clients, but because it was a learning curve, like with mm -hmm. anything. So yeah. um, from Atlanta, I lived in Atlanta. I drove to Atlanta and uh, he's like, okay, I want to get three suits and two shirts. So I'm like, Right. <laughs> this is great. This is a huge order. So, a chain. You, know, you know, but he's like, but I have some suits I want you to measure um, that I wanted to fit like that. So I'm like, oh, not sure how to do that. 
<laughs> but I, I looked up how to do that because I did have some instructions from my supplier on how to do that. So I measured his suits and based his order off of the suits I measured. And then three or four weeks later, the suits come in. I'm excited. Drive to Atlanta again. Tries on the suit. Doesn't fit. So this is not just one suit I have to remake. It's the entire order. Yeah. So basically I blew like $1,000 or more um, trying to make this right. So now in the contracts you say, must measure your body, <laughs> not your suit. Well, I can I can still measure a suit, but yeah. the difference is now I know how to do that. Like, yeah. Okay. yeah. Like, let me see the suit on you. Right, right, right. <laughs> but before I made like some crucial mistakes, but you know, all of it is just a learning experience. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's another thing I wanted to mention is that I didn't go to school for this. I just, I'm following a passion, you know. So that's the most important thing when you're getting into a business is having a passion for you. The knowledge will come. And something about you that sticks out is that everybody that I meet knows you. Everybody's either worked with you or knows somebody that's worked with you or has met you at a networking event or mm -hmm. sees you on Instagram. Is it is it hard to keep up that kind of presence for so long with such consistency? You know, it's funny you mentioned that is uh, it's really not because it comes, I think because it comes naturally to me. It's like, I'm not trying to be anybody like I'm just being myself. So that's easy to do if you're authentic. Yeah. So it's like, you know, when I go to networking events, you know, I go dressed apart, business cards in my wallet. Um, I'm always connecting. And when I first started the business, I was like at every networking event. So at every BNI every, you know, organization I would show up or, you know, I think I, um, did we meet at the chamber of commerce? We've met at the chamber of commerce. We've met at mimosas in the yeah. morning. We've yeah. But the chamber, I spoke there. Yeah. Um, I was asked to speak there. I'm like, sure. It's like any speaking engagement I would grab any opportunity to get my name out there, mm -hmm. you know, um, because I wanted to, I wanted for my name to be associated with suits. Like when you think of suits, think of me. And that's important in branding. Yeah. Um, you, you have to be top of mind, you know, with people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's part of it. Well, and that kind of goes to another question, which is like, do you have any advice for somebody that's starting a business of how to get to, because, I mean, it took you, you know, seven, eight years mm -hmm. to get into retail. And that shows that you've been successful. Is, is there any advice that you would have to, to a younger entrepreneur? And, and for anybody that's listening, he has already given us so much advice. Yeah, yeah. Already. So you have to top all those advice. Yeah. <laughs> well, no pressure. Um, I would say the first thing, and one thing I notice a lot with new entrepreneurs or people looking to get into the entrepreneurial space, is you have to clearly identify what it is that you do. Your niche. Right. You have to be able to clearly speak your elevator pitch and just understand what you do. Cause some people I talk to, yeah, I do this and this and sometimes I do this and I'm like, okay, that's, it's like all these things don't make sense. So you have to like streamline and identify your brand. <clears throat> and first of all, you have to establish a brand. That's important. Mm -hmm. um, you know, cause that's what I, you know, because of course I do suits and shirts and whatnot, but I also do shoes, also do accessories. But that makes sense because you're wearing all those things. Right. You know, they all go together. A lot of it together. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's like I'm making suits and, hey, you also make pizzas in the back and <laughs> you know, cut hair, you know, <laughs> change oil. You know, it's like, what? Although a um, barbershop would, yeah. would be kind of cool. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool. I'm sure you know a guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know a guy. He's in my network. Um, but, yeah, I try to identify what you do and just get really good at that. Like okay. just pour yourself into that, learn everything about it and be your brand. Like when people see you, you know, be your brand. Like if you wear, if you start a hat company, people see you, you ought to be wearing a hat. Yep. Yeah. Or bracelets or also make beaded bracelets. So I'm wearing a few today. <laughs> um, the shoes are custom. I'm making those. So I don't have a suit on today, but fresh. I do have some pieces of my brand. Like I always have that. I'm curious, uh, you had mentioned one of your first clients was in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, where's your clientele living? I mean, is it mostly in Augusta? Is it Southeast? I would say mostly Augusta, just because, you know, the proximity. Mm -hmm. um, 
But, you know, I've got clients in Atlanta. I've got clients in Charlotte. I've got clients in Columbia, Greenville. I've actually got clients I've never met in person. Wow. Um, which the way the business is set up and, you know, I can email them measuring instructions and they can have somebody, if you have a measuring tape, which you can get Walmart or anywhere, yeah. you can have somebody measure you. Of course, I would prefer to do the measuring because I know exactly what to look for. But, you know, I've had some situations where if I'm, doing a wedding for a military guy and he's in Germany. I'm not, not flying to Germany to measure. Yeah. Right. You, know, just, you know, I mean, if you buy my ticket, no, you know, yeah. it can be done, <laughs> but in most cases, you know, they're not going to fly me to Germany to measure them. But right. yeah, circumstances like that, it's still possible to get a custom suit. You know, I can walk you through the process over the phone or FaceTime, whatever. Um, you know, we can bounce pictures back and forth. You know, the internet has really changed um, what's possible when it comes to business. Mm -hmm. Are there any pinch me moment clients that you've had in the past eight, nine years that you can talk about? Um, probably not that I can talk about. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's a good answer. Yeah. yeah. That's a good answer. Yeah. I'm thinking, would he mind me saying like, nah, <laughs> Could, can you generally describe like, Oh, a singer that I've always liked? Or, um, you know? yeah. Um, a, Pretty famous author and uh, working with a couple politicians. Okay. Very cool. That, that, that is super cool. cool. Putting Augusta on and the now map. now we have to leave it at that, yeah. which upsets me because <laughs> yeah. I have to ask more. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, too. We're talking about Augusta, and, and that's a theme that we're going to come back to now. You, you moved here from Greenwood, mm -hmm. and you stayed here. Right. I got to know, like, I mean, you were entrepreneurial. There's a lot of things you wanted to do. Why did you not try to move to a bigger city to do that? Uh, actually, we did try to. Oh, yeah? Uh, our plan was to move to Greenville, South Carolina. And we were just full speed ahead with that. Like, I'd already looked at a job up there. We were looking at places to live. Like, everything we were doing was moving in that direction. And then it's like all the doors just started closing. And we're like, well, I guess that's not in the, the plan. Mm. So we started you know, refocusing our efforts here in Augusta. And, uh, you know, that's that's where we still are. Things just started happening here in Augusta. Opportunities started coming. And over the time that, that I've been here, I've built up a network. And what I always tell entrepreneurs, too, is your network is invaluable because you can't just move somewhere and have a network. Like, it takes years to develop right. that to the fact to where a lot of people know you locally I mean, that didn't just happen. I mean, that's like putting work in. And if you have that local network, you know, leverage that, you know, take advantage of that and and take care of people too. Don't just the two -way be a flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Support them and promote them as well. And have you found it, have you found that while you've been here, you feel like the business community has been supportive? I think so. Yeah, definitely very supportive. Um I'm in uh, several, you know, Facebook groups and uh, you may have noticed some, anytime somebody asks, Hey, where can I get a good suit in Augusta? It's like all the comments are Keith Jones. Keith yep. Jones, <laughs> so, um, but you know, building to that point took work and consistency and just staying out there and being known for what I do. Yeah. And I'll, I'll ask one more and then I'll, I'll toss it over to Chris. Um, you know, you just moved into retail. You're sharing a space with, right. with um, what, what's their name? It's Laysonville Bridal Boutique. Laysonville Bridal Boutique. Yeah, Furious Ferry Road. Yep. So you're sharing a space with them and people can come find you there. They make appointments and mm -hmm. you're there. Do you have any plans to further scale? Um, It's possible. You know. Like, um, would you ever hire somebody? I've thought about that too. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that's quite a, a big step for me because to this point, I've been hands-on with everything mm -hmm. and um, not really a control freak. I think more of a perfectionist. It's hard to do mm. something for almost 10 years and then give it to somebody else. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Like, here's my baby. Um, <laughs> I'm really good at this. I yeah, hope you are yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. So, but I, I know that I will have to build a team on some level. You know, if, if not employees, I'll probably have to start contracting out certain elements of what I do. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm just one person, I can't. Right. You know, and in order to grow past or much further past where I am now, I have to 
be more than me. <laughs> right. You know, I, just, I have to, in, you know, recruit help. So um, whether that means hiring employees or contracting out different tasks, which then frees me up to grow the business and do more. Um, haven't quite figured out what that looks like yet, but, you know, because the retail space is very new, like I mentioned. So yeah, right. that was a big step for my business is having a retail space. So, um, well, congratulations. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm sure it takes some getting used to for yeah, you. Yeah, it did. I debated actually whether I even needed a retail space uh, because they approached me because we'd been working together because, you know, the owners of Laysonville, right? Jessica. Oh, Jessica Basquette and Jennifer yeah. Grubbs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but Jennifer Grubbs, she's been a wedding planner and event coordinator for several years. And we had been working together because when she, people come to her to plan their wedding, she would always recommend me, you know, for the tux or the suit. So we'd already had a working relationship and then she approached me and said, Hey, we're going to open this bridal boutique. You know, we definitely would love for you to be a part of it. We can have a space for you in there. You can have your own setup. Um, so I'm like, sure, you know, because I didn't really need a store because all my stuff is custom. So right. it's not like I have inventory to show. It's like, I mean, I have my clothes. Here's I my swatches. In there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need a whole store for, you know, my swatch books. Although the walk-in closet is kind of a cool retail theme. True. Someone yeah. just walks in and it's all of your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> that yeah. would be pretty cool. Then I have to keep it neat, you know, because people are walking in there. Yeah. So. It's, that's tough. Yeah, yeah. That's when you hire someone <laughs> to do yeah, that. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Clean up my closet. Yeah. Are we ready? I'm good. All right. Uh, before I ask the one that one question that we ask every guest, um, has being in Augusta impacted your business? Um, I would say so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that. I guess you mean positively. Yeah, positively yeah. Yeah. or negatively. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. We want the real story. I think Augusta gets a, a bad rap. I'm sure you guys are. That's the point of the podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's just really what you make of it, you know, and it has more to do with what you're bringing to the table than your environment. Yeah. Because I feel confident I could take this business to another city and with time build it up to the same right. level. Yeah. You know? it's, it's not Augusta. It's just, it's what you do with it. Yeah. Right. Did, did you have any kind of hard-earned lessons about Augusta? Um, not really. I mean, Augusta, is it's a really big, small town, basically. Yeah. Uh, so I think the mentality tends to lean more that direction. So one thing I will say is I, I, it probably took a little bit more um, of educating my clients as to the value of what I'm bringing. I think that's probably a real thing. Yeah. 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 Because most, you know, a lot of guys down here, you know, they wear polo shirt and khakis and Sperry's. Yeah. (laughs) That'll take you to a wedding, funeral. Right. Anywhere. Dinner out. But to, to kind of change that mentality, Hey, why not throw on a blazer with that? Right. I mean, even if you're wearing that, just adding a blazer instantly dresses it up. Absolutely. You know, you can have a button up shirt or polo and jeans, put on a blazer. Oh, that's sharp. You know, you don't have to be wearing a full suit. Yeah. You know, so just kind of raising people's expectations a little bit. Um, you know, if I was in a more metropolitan area like Atlanta, it's no problem. You see suits everywhere down yeah. there. Um, Augusta's a little more rural and relaxed and small townish. But I think the the culture is starting to change here in a good way. I would have to agree. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of that changing in a good way. We're Drop the Disc podcast. We've already mentioned that Augusta gets a bad rep. Um, We're here proving them wrong. The Drop the Disc question is sponsored by none other than Trainer Gray Media. They are a full-service marketing and advertising agency. If you'd like more information about them, go to www.trainergraymedia.com. Absolutely. Um, And we're using your story for that. I mean, what you're doing here in Augusta is incredible. Um, if someone were to walk up to you and talk negatively about this city, how would you respond to them? Um, I would say, well, you know, why do you feel that way? I guess I would have to try to identify why they felt that way, you know, get their perspective, you know, cause they're speaking from their experience. So maybe they had a negative experience, negative encounter. That's not uncommon. Um, but you can't allow that to color your vision of, the whole city 
you know, because there's some really bright spots here. Um, we're growing as a city. The demographic is changing. The business landscape is changing. Um, it's a great time to be in Augusta. Absolutely. Short, sweet, to the point. Love that. Thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate you taking the time. Made to measure. Keith Jones. Find him on Furious Ferry. Uh, what's the address? It is 500 Furious Ferry Road, Suite 103. Suite 103. And make your appointment at on your website? Website, or they can message me directly. Uh, my number is 706-251-5202. And what's the, ad, what's the web address? Web address is kjonesmtm.com. You're a brave person putting the cell phone out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can right. always not answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Leave you a so voicemail. Much, no problem. <laughs> there you go.